I want you to take your Bibles or your apps, whatever you read on, and today we're going to be in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Uh, now, I recognize Acts may be a little difficult to find in your Bible because Let's be honest, this is a library, not just a book. This is a library that's got 66 books in it, Acts being one of those books. So let me tell you, let me give you some clues on how to go about finding the book of Acts. If you're in a physical Bible, just pull down or, or open up to the table of contents. Um, you'll find that the Bible's got two main sections in it, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, Acts is in the New Testament. It's the fifth book of the New Testament. So find the New Testament in your table of contents. Uh, Acts is the fifth book in, go to that page number, and then flip through until you get to chapter 13. Now, if you're in an app, simply pull down the list of the books of the Bible. Uh, you'll find that Acts is a little more than two-thirds of the way uh, down that list. So again, Acts chapter 13. Now, I'm wearing my... Uh, kids ministry t-shirt today. And the reason that I'm wearing it is because we've been having vacation Bible school all week this week. It's been an amazing week for our students. Um, and I do want to give you a quick recap just of some highlights that have taken place uh, over the last month and a half uh, here at First Scottsdale within our children's and student ministries. Uh, so we had kids camp uh, back last month. And at the end of last month, we had our teen camp, which is called Zona Camp. And then of course, we we had Vacation Bible School this past week, and I am happy to report that we had almost two dozen decisions for Christ made uh, between these two camps and Vacation Bible School. Uh, we've had a few students that have come to know the Lord for their very first time. Isn't that amazing? Um, we've had students uh, rededicate their lives to Christ, and we've even had a few students that have answered a call to ministry. They feel called uh, by God to go out and be a minister for his church, for his kingdom work in the world. And so I'm so excited uh, for what God has done in our kids ministry and student ministries. Uh, but I'm also so thankful uh, for how you as a church have supported our children and our teenagers and the life change that he's doing as a result of that. So we've got a lot to be thanking God for. But being that this was VBS, week, I thought that we would do a recap of just what all's taken place over the last uh, few days, what the kids have been learning at Vacation Bible School. Um, but before I dive into that, I do want to give you a little promo for next uh, Sunday. We're starting a brand new series. Uh, you'll see it in the announcement slide, uh, but we're starting a brand new series called The Word, and it's all about how to read the Bible and how not to read the Bible, some good practices, some things to think about, some things to know about when you sit down and read God's word. And I'm so excited for this message series. I think you're gonna love it. Uh, so please join us next week uh, when we begin that series. So let's dive into what our students, what our children learned about this past week at Vacation Bible School. Take your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. We're going to read verses 21 through 23. So Acts 13, starting in verse 21, it says this. 
the, then they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Cush, a Kish. So, so what's happening here is Paul, uh, that, that great missionary that much of the book of Acts is about, Paul is a, in a certain place and he is basically giving a sermon and the beginning of this sermon is a history, uh, a very condensed history of some of the highlights of the nation of Israel. So he's talked about uh, the early days, about Father Abraham and about uh, their the Israelites' enslavement in Egypt, and now he's come to the place where he's talking about uh, Israel's first king, King Saul. So he's, he's talked about that, King Saul. God gave them Saul, son of Kish, end of verse 21, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, and he was king for 40 years. Verse 22, and when he had removed him, in other words, when God had removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Verse 23, of this man's, oh, that, wait, 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 that's where, no, verse 23, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Uh, it, that's just a, a beautiful passage. Paul, in just these few sentences, gives a, uh, a condensed look at the early kings of Israel, but takes that and moves that, that, that lesson about kingship into the person of Jesus Christ. And this past week at v Vacation Bible School, we focused primarily on Jesus and uh, King David and, and their connections. So, so on Monday and Tuesday, uh, we talked about how God is the creator and how God is the designer of all things, including ourselves. He created everything. Uh, and look at verses 21 and 22 with me again. It says, then they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. Verse 22, and when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Uh, so our kids learned about how King Saul was the first king and then King David was brought along and how God designed David to do his will and how uh, there were experiences in, in David's life that God placed there that made David a better king. These skills and experienced experiences helped prepare him to be the king of Israel. And one of the big focuses in this time was that you are God's masterpiece. Uh, listen to what Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10 say. For by my grace, you have been saved through faith. Notice there, he doesn't say you're saved through the things you do. You're saved through faith, through believing in Jesus. Continuing on, it says, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And God is saying here that we are his workmanship. Uh, in some of the other translations of the Bible, this word workmanship in verse 10 is actually translated as masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. And on our stage this past week at VBS, uh, we had uh, 
pictures, silhouettes of like a football player and a dancer um, and, and someone else. And then we had a silhouette of a painter painting on a canvas. And I, I made the connection between the idea that just as a painter paints his picture and he spends great time and, and thought and, and effort, you know, creating this, this beautiful painting, God's done the same with you. He has taken time and he has thought out all of the aspects of your being, of your existence. You are his masterpiece. And as a masterpiece, God loves you. He loves you so much. He cares for you. He's, he's proud of you. And most of all, out of that love, God wants a relationship with you. You see, as his masterpiece, he wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be in connection, in communion, in relationship with you. Then, on Wednesday and Thursday, we transitioned and we talked about how Jesus is the king and Jesus is the redeemer. Uh, so I, I've just unpacked this idea that you are God's masterpiece, that he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. But how does that work? Jesus loves me, so what? I've heard that in Bible songs and I've seen it on billboards maybe. But what does that actually mean? You see, Jesus loves you so much that he paid the ultimate price for you. He redeemed you. Well, you may be saying redeemed me. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, the illustration that I gave our children this past week was, have you ever gone to uh, like an arcade, like maybe a Dave and Buster's or, uh, or an, uh, an arcade at an amusement park or something like that? And you go and you, there's some of the games that you can play. And as you play them, depending on how good you do, you earn tickets and you can uh, earn as many tickets as you can get. And you can take those tickets and you can go to the little gift shop that they've got at the arcade and you can turn in the tickets. And depending on how many tickets you've acquired, you can use those tickets to, re, you can redeem those tickets for an item that's in the gift shop. And, and so the idea is that Christ, Jesus, ha has taken something of himself and he has used that to redeem you. He, 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 has, he has given an exchange for you. He's paid some kind of price. You see, what is he exchanging us for? What, what's going on here? Uh, the way I described it to our, our, our children this past week is that you and I, every person on, ever born on this planet, except for Jesus himself, we're all what the Bible calls sinners. Now, it's a big word. It's a churchy word. Let me explain what sinner means. A sinner is someone who disobeys God's commands, God's, God's will for your life, God's desires for your life. Or it's also defined, sin can also be uh, knowing the right thing you should do and not doing it. And if you're curious about where I found that, you can go to the book of James and you can go to the book of 1 John. They both give us those definitions for sin. But, but the idea here is that, the most simplistic idea here is that we are all sinners. We've all either disobeyed God, or we've known the right thing we should do and we didn't do it, okay? So we're all sinners. Well, so what? We're sinners. Well, because we've sinned, because we've committed some kind of sin, we, the moment we commit a sin, we become prisoners to that sin uh, or to sin in general. We become enslaved 
to sin. We can't get free. We can't get that freedom on our own because sin has captured us. And the worst part is that sin controls us and it controls also our eternal destination. It controls what happens to us when we die for all of eternity. And if sin has its way, our destination in imprisonment to sin is eternal punishment. We will suffer forever. But here's the cool part. Remember I said that Jesus has redeemed you. You see, Jesus came along and he paid a price to buy you back, to to purchase you out of your imprisonment, out of your enslavement to sin. But the crazy part is, is that he paid the greatest price of all. You may have heard of the uh, famous passage, John 3.16. I wanna read you John 3.16 and the following verse, John 3.17. So this is John 3.16 through 17. It says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but instead have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, Jesus redeemed you because he loves you so much. He loves you more than you love your, your cheeseburger. He loves you more than you love your, your, your pet. He loves you more than you love your children. He loves you more than you love your, your boyfriend, girlfriend, or spouse, whatever it may be. He loves you more than we have the capacity to love. His love is endless. We actually talked about that last week in last week's message. So I said that he paid the ultimate price. What does that part mean? Well, we're sinners. We're imprisoned. We're, we're captured by our sin and we are slaves. We're imprisoned to it. But Jesus came along and, and did not want that to be what we suffered through. And so he provided a way to become free of that sin-based imprisonment. Well, in order to do that, he had to pay the ultimate price. And by the ultimate price, I mean he paid with his life. He gave his life so that you would not have to spend eternity in punishment, in suffering. You see, he paid the ultimate price by dying on a cross. And when he died on that cross, he bought you back. He forgave you of all your sins. When you believe in him and you commit your life to him, he will rescue you from what sin has imprisoned you into. But the greatest thing about all of this is it didn't even end there. You see, three days after he died on that cross, he himself raised himself up from the dead. He brought himself back to life. And it was through that action, and I told this to our children this past week, It's through that action that he proves that he's the son of God, that he is exactly who he said he was. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know of any historical figures that have risen from the grave of their own fruition. It it doesn't happen. And so the fact of the matter is, is Jesus died on a cross to save you. And then he rose from the grave three days later to prove that he is the son of God. But that rising from the grave also showed that he had conclusive, clear victory over sin and over death. And you can have it. 
all he asks in order to be rescued from your slavery, your imprisonment to sin, all he asks is that you believe in him and that you commit your life to him. That's all he wants. He wants you to believe what the Bible says about him and commit your life to living for him. Uh, and, and that's what he wants from you. Then the last day, Friday of VBS, we spoke about the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the one who's the helper. Uh, and the great thing is, is that Jesus didn't rescue you from your imprisonment and then look at you and say, hey, I'm glad you're out of prison, good luck, and walk away. He didn't do that. You see, when Jesus rescued you through his death and resurrection, he rescued you and he walks with you and he said, I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm not gonna leave you to do this on your own. I'm going to provide you a helper. My own spirit, the Holy Spirit will be with you. He will guide you. He will help you. He will give you strength and he will give you comfort when you need it. You will know my will through him. You'll understand God's word better because I've given you the Holy Spirit. He didn't leave us alone. He didn't leave us to figure it out on our own. He gave us his own spirit and that spirit lives inside of you if you are a follower of Jesus. That's the beauty of what Jesus has done. You see, Jesus was prophesied in the days of King David, before King David, after King David, there are 300 plus prophecies, predictions about Jesus that were made hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus was ever born. And every single one of those predictions, those prophecies came true in Jesus. And one of those prophecies was that he would be a descendant of King David, which is why we've talked about David and that he would come and he would redeem you for himself, that he would come and he would rescue you from the imprisonment of sin that you are in. He wants to save you. His love for you is infinite, it's boundless, it's immeasurable. And he wants you to know him as, his, as your Lord and Savior to know him, believe in him, and commit your life to him. Be saved. Instead of having eternal punishment, to instead have eternal life, to spend eternity in a place where there's no suffering, no pain, no sorrow, uh, an existence in perfection. He wants that for you, but you have to believe in him and commit your life to him. And my question is this, what is stopping you from believing in Jesus? Is it a question about who he is or what he says or what he did or, or something like that? Is it something inside of you that is resisting? Is it maybe a hurt that you're struggling with? Maybe something that a Christian or a a church did to you? What is it that is stopping you from believing in him? Remember, he loves you and he came to rescue you from your imprisonment to sin because he wants you to be free. He wants to give you eternal life. 
And again, I've said it a dozen times. The way to do that is to believe in him and commit your life to him. And, and let me just say this. Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you want to know more. Maybe uh, you're confused about something that I've said today. Or maybe you just need to talk to someone. If that's you, this is the end of the message. And if you, you want to know Jesus or you've got questions about Jesus or, or you just need to talk to somebody about something you've gone through, I want you to reach out to us. In the post of this video, there's a, a link for uh, our uh, contact us page. If you go to our website and click on the contact us page, there's a form there. You can click the link in the post of this video, but uh, go to the website, go to the contact us page on our website, fill that form out, and I would love to personally reach out to you and answer any questions that you may have about Jesus or, or talk to you about what you've been through or, or walk with you uh, through uh, what the next steps in your journey with Jesus may be. But please, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you've never come to that place, but you've got questions, or, or you just need to process with someone, or, or you need to just get all the junk off your shoulders, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you and answer any questions you may have. But please, please hear me. Jesus loves you, and he wants to set you free from the imprisonment that you've been placed under because of sin. He wants to rescue you from that eternal punishment and instead give you eternal life. And so please reach out to us. Uh, we would love to talk to you about this. Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you. We thank you for uh, what you've done in the lives of our children and teenagers this summer so far. We thank you for the life change that you have brought. We thank you for the decisions that have been made. We thank you for children and teenagers who have come to know you and are growing in you. Lord, we lift this time up to you now as we finish this up. We pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts and minds and help us to understand what the next steps are for us. Lord, understanding that you love us, that you died so that we could be redeemed. And on the third day, you rose from the grave. Lord, we pray that that you would help us to have courage to respond, to make whatever decision or ask whatever questions it is that there are that we have. We, we pray that you would help us take the initiative and have the courage and the strength to, to ask the questions and take those steps. But Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your love. And we lift this up to you in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.